एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड अकॉर्न Hi this is Kunal Verma I am one of the founders at Freeo Neobank Serial entrepreneurs make for some of our most interesting guests and if that entrepreneur is building something that would one day replace giant legacy corporations then it's an even bigger treat Kunal Verma founder of Freeo and MoneyTap checks off both these boxes He started his first entrepreneurial venture within his B school opting to be an entrepreneur instead of seeking placements. He subsequently built up an edtech business that got acquired before starting MoneyTap, a credit line app that is disrupting the personal loan and credit card industry. Today, MoneyTap is the leading credit line app in India and Kunal's expanding it to build a full stack neo bank with the branding of Freyo. Listen to Kunal telling Akshay Dutt about building products that consumers love and disrupting how people do banking in India. Okay, so Kunal, uh, what's home for you? Like, you know, where did you grow up and in what kind of family? Uh, so I was born and brought up in a small town uh, called Jamshedpur. Um, my dad uh, was a uh, spent his career at the Tata's group, and uh, hence Jamshedpur being the hub for the Tata's group back then. Um, all born and brought up over there, so my early years in life been fairly influenced and conditioned by the the culture in that part of the country. And uh, and I think then uh, somewhere in my teens, uh, kind of moved out from there and. Uh, moved to a larger town a larger city and that was my first exposure ever so that was delhi for me obviously it was a huge uh, it was a huge uh, i would say difference from coming from a, a smaller town to a metropolitan city hmm. and with school uh, in delhi did you join like which class for you in yeah so i i i, I so i joined uh, 11th uh, standard in uh, delhi public school in arkepuram wow that's like such a major uh... It, it was. was. I mean, DPS Arkepuram is like you know, like all like you know, fairly well-to-do families, kids come there, and like highly urban kind of a setup. That's true. That is true. I think it was a. In some ways, it was also like a for me a cultural melting pot to actually um, experience uh, higher education at least from a school standpoint in Arkepuram. So the friends that I made. uh at, at at that stage of my life uh, are still very close friends um and we all had something common at, you know we all were in that school and we were looking at you know really working hard and making something good out of ourselves and at least all of us were all you know uh, looking at engineering and that, that was the dream that we had like like uh, as cliched as it may sound but uh, <laughs> to become a successful get an engineering degree from one of the top niche engineering schools in the country mm-hmm. was the dream back mm-hmm. then right yeah. right right yeah i can see you passed out in 97 which is also the year i passed out from tps arkepuram i i we were in school at the same time i guess oh, wow wow that is that is uh, <laughs> yeah that is uh, small world uh, yeah, yeah small world but uh, having said that i mean the, the 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 funny thing is that the dps is such a big world right it's like almost 900 students in one 
class. It's almost impossible to know other people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I was in commerce. You must have been in science, I guess. So yeah. There would have been very little possibility of interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I was in uh, section G as a computer science. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, probably a bunch of geeks, uh, uh, and kind of all living in our own world back then. So yeah. Uh, so so yeah, that that's how. Uh, so and so Delhi was home for some time. And then, um, and then I went to Roorkee for my undergrad. Uh, so, and you know, eventually passed out with a BTEC with honors in computer science. Uh, uh, so, in some ways, I think uh, you know, did my family proud by <laughs> getting an getting a certificate from IIT. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, it was interesting. Four years of undergrad uh, living in the uh, the Ganges belt of the country. Uh, some amazing life experiences, uh, some long life bonds forged at that time. And then that paved the path for my adult life, really, after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, when you, like, passed out of IIT, did you, like, have, like, an ambition in mind that this is what you want to do? Or, like, you know, what was it like? Yeah, so, you know, I've always, uh, I've always had these... Uh, I've always been like a dreamer uh, since I was a kid. And that's probably part of uh, how I am as a person. I would love to just sit and dream about, you know, what I could become. And it started by, you know, thinking about uh, when I was in probably like middle school, I would be thinking about becoming a football player because I've always loved sports. And then I dreamt of actually going into an armed forces because I was always an outdoorsy kid, martial arts, sports, everything. Uh, obviously, that was uh, shot down by my diligent uh, Indian mother, who decided that, <laughs> who decided that no, uh, you know, <laughs> I shall not go. Um, and uh, I mean, those are the days when I used to listen to my family. So obviously, and as an obedient child, I had no other option but to comply. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think there was there were I, at every stage of my life, I had some dream. Um, and I think it's important. Uh, I for personally feel uh, that it's important to have a dream and your dreams may change, but actually going through life, no matter how small you are and without having a dream at any moment is it's, it's pretty boring. It's like living life in monochrome. So I think so for me, uh, when I graduated to answer your question, uh, my uh, my dream was to eventually uh, one day build a large company uh, and and leave a huge footprint of some legacy where i built a huge empire where something is really changed or you know i'm my company is changing people's lives in a big way uh, so i had this large blue sky definition in my head it was very vague but that is how it was so like where did you join from campus did, did you get placed through campus yeah so it was very interesting because um uh, and i the year I graduated was 2001 in engineering. And just in 2000, you know, the entire Y2K had happened, the, the whole episode, and then the dot-com bubble had burst globally, the dot-com crash. Um, and that was an interesting time because I had got a job offer on campus on day one uh, from Nortel Networks. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, you're in your fourth semester of engineering. And then just before graduating and, passing out of IIT, we got a letter from Nortel Network saying we are shutting down our India operations. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think just like, you know, after celebrating your 
last final semester as an engineer and I'm pretty much coasting through uh, life for those six months. So suddenly there was a wake up call that, hey, I don't have a job um, because the offer letter was rescinded. It happened across the board for a whole bunch of people. Obviously, companies were shutting down their operations left, right and center. So I was one of the uh, folks at the receiving end as well. So it was a wake up call. I suddenly realized that, you know, there is uh, nothing is going to be served on a platter. So I need to immediately pull up my socks and get into hard work. So uh, then eventually I ended up joining a startup uh, uh, right out of campus itself. I, I, I got a I got placed in another New Jersey based startup, but they had their R&D operations in Delhi itself. Um, and, uh, so, and I, it was a pretty nerdy job back then, coding device drivers, all the kind of stuff. And I did that. I was pretty excited, uh, a computer science geek myself. So I was pretty excited. I, I joined that company. Um, and that was just six months because within six months, I figured out that I'm getting rather bored at that job. Uh, and, you know, it was not really exciting me. I was not really solving problems, which would, uh, which would really push uh, my thinking. So I, I switched gears and uh, I I had a chance for some reasons. It's a serendipitous, and uh, I ended up joining Texas Instruments. Mm, okay. And uh, in India, in India, uh, out of their uh, uh, R and D unit in Bangalore, um, and uh, that's where I spent the next seven years uh, working with Texas Instruments. A lot of exposure, uh, you know, traveling to their units in U.S., France, Japan, working with people globally uh, and some amazing life experiences as well along the way. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, seven years at Texas Instruments and that is the only corporate job that I've ever had in my life. Um, so that's so that's that's the only one time uh, where I've actually prepared for an interview myself or given an interview. Uh, so, so yeah, so pretty good fond memories, but that was it in terms of uh, what I, where I started. What made you stay with them so long? Like, you know, I, I'm trying to understand what was it about, whether it was the role or the culture or. Yeah, I, I think it was a combination of a few things. Um, one is that, um, I think back then, um, I personally was not exposed to concepts of work-life balance. Uh, what is work? What is work stress? <laughs> what is pers <laughs> personal life? I think these concepts were pretty, pretty foreign to me at that time. Um, the the culture was the culture was one of very uh, you know high commitment ethic, um, hard hard working, high sense of ownership. My uh, my initial boss. Um, at one of my initial bosses at Texas Instruments uh, was was a phenomenal gentleman, um, and I learned so much. I mean, there was a time when I used to think that you know he's quite the taskmaster, uh, but I loved uh, but I loved working in that environment. Um, so it's a combination of those things, and honestly, it was a huge discovery process for me. I mean, surprisingly, in my in my engineering, I, I was a computer science major. And uh, and uh, I did not pay much attention to my hardware and electronics courses in uh, in IIT. Uh, I put I, so well that is to put it mildly. The the unsugar coated version is that I sucked at those courses, and uh, <laughs> the professors uh, they 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 made it a point to you know <laughs> uh, you know call it out loud in the class. So all my friends and I were very clear that you know if there's one thing that I should not be doing in life is going into electronics and hardware. And uh, that is exactly what I ended up doing, which is going into Texas Instruments, which is all about hardware design. 
but I but I realized that as much as I was uninterested in the theory of it, I loved the actual work. And I did, uh, and I did pretty well. I, I think uh, the amount of learning, the contribution that we made, and particularly the people, uh, I think that's what made me stick around. So the challenge of doing things which had not been done before, building out products which were the first of its kind back then. Uh, you know, our department teams used to file patents a lot. Um, so that experience, along with the 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 managers and the senior that I worked with, I think that's what made me stick around. And uh, like I said, you know, I mean, I really was not one of those people who were in, who had the spirit of giving up easily. So there were tough days, days when I, I used to, I used to have a small, I used to have a small pillow and a toothbrush at my cubicle. And there were days where we used to just like not, not go home. I used to, I used to go home, go home after 48 hours. Um, so, but you know, it, but it was phenomenal, right? And something, something like that uh, doesn't happen unless you are passionate about something, right? Because then there are so many options available. So you can just get up and quit one day and say, "Hey, this is not for me." But I think the culture is what, uh, and the culture and the people uh, is what really allowed me to stick around. And uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Time just flew, and you know, I just look back and they say, "Hey, it's been like almost seven years." But it was phenomenal. I mean. Uh, you know the experience of working across global teams and projects so mm, 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 mm. so then uh, why like you know why move out like what made the what was the trigger to like do an mba and yeah uh, you know it was one of those uh, things where like i said right, i've always a uh, part of me has always been a lot about dreaming about like what should i be doing in the future what would my path look like like why am i doing this you know i i always keep questioning uh, you know i keep having these existential thoughts about myself and my life every once in a while i'm not sure it's a great thing to do but <laughs> that is how that is who i am um so i i always knew that look i had this vision of starting something of my own and doing something and uh, I mean, I I do not come from a, a, a family where everybody is in entrepreneurship, right? So my my father's side of the family, there were no entrepreneurs, no family businesses, and my mother's mother's side of the family, almost everybody is in business. So I I can I and but what the one thing which is common across both sides of the family is that a, there are a lot of lawyers in the family. So I honestly thought that you know I would eventually grow up to become a lawyer, if not anything else, and I just go into the family profession. So, but, but I, but I think what happened is that along the way, I realized that, look, I'm doing well in technology. Um, but there are a couple of things which were coming out to me as a pattern. One was that I, I was somehow missing the big picture somewhere in terms of what is the impact that I'm making uh, through my, you know, daily slogging of 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm working at like some 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning in office coding my way away on hardware design. And I'm thinking about like, hey, you know, I'm doing this work and I know that it's going to make an impact maybe second order, third order down the line, but I'm not sure if it's going to move the needle for actual one human being's life. So I was, I had started thinking about a lot about like, you know, I need to kind of find my path. I need to figure out how can I start something of my own and realize my dream. And the sooner I do that, the better it is because, you know, let's just make mistakes while while you are young, you know, and so that, you know, you still have time to correct those mistakes and you have the energy to uh, to, to kind of find your new path. So I think a lot of this um, introspection and looking at what I was doing and the impact that it was making 
really pushed me uh, to the extent that I realized that look, I just cannot, um, I, I cannot continue to do this. Um, and obviously, money and finances were not the motivator at all because uh, I think financially was doing pretty well at DI. So if if I had continued on a corporate growth path, I would be, I mean, you know, I would be very comfortable in that sense in life more than what I would have imagined. But um, but I knew that now is the time. So that whole push of not seeing the impact that my work was creating on a daily basis and knowing that, look, I had this vision and it looks like after seven to eight years of working, I still have that vision. So that probably that itch has not been scratched or, you know, that dream has not been fulfilled. So I said, you know, let's just let's just uh, jump and make the jump and do it. So, I, but I needed a conduit, right? Like, you know, being in R&D, being a very geeky person and having a very narrow worldview in technology does not prepare you for life entirely. And un- unfortunately, we all grew up. I mean, I grew up in a, in a in a culture where I was not prepared for the the challenges of life. You know, how do you think about money? How do you think about financial planning? How do you think about future? How do you think about risk taking? So uh, the conduit the conduit for me was to take a year off, a year or maybe two years off, um, and uh, maybe find a middle ground. And that seemed like business school because that would allow me to get some exposure from people you know who are completely from different walks of life uh, and uh, that's what made me um, uh, take the jump against just amazing amount of uh, opposition that i got from a lot of people uh, uh, but yeah i mean and then that is my that is the start to all the opposition i started facing for the next couple of years in life if you're interested in what you heard, you can visit freosave.com and sign up to experience India's first credit building savings account. So, uh, what uh, what made you want to create an impact? Was it inspired by the Tata philosophy? Like, you know, considering your dad worked there? So, I mean, at some level, you know, how you look at things around you on a daily basis do impact you. And uh, I, I was obviously in uh, in awe of uh, growing up a lot in awe of JRD Tata, uh, he's like a legendary uh, person, uh, and uh, you know some of the other uh, really uh, I would say iconic uh, figures at the Tata's group. But I think it was that plus a combination of uh, reading a lot about what other people had done for themselves. Uh, you know, those are the times when we were looking like, at you know, who, other like who were the people who inspired you. So I so I, so I think uh, the one thing obviously was you know growing up in an environment and looking at datas. Uh, the second thing was I was obviously you know I started to hear a lot about how some of the big uh, large scale entrepreneurs globally were making a difference, right? So these are the days when I just started hearing about um, you know what Hewlett Packard was doing globally in terms of uh, building the business out. I just started hearing about uh, you know what Nike was doing. Uh, Phil Knight was doing. I just started hearing a lot about uh, what the what the Birla Group in India was doing, and and of course, you know, one 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 wouldn't miss uh, with the whole news about you know how Dhirubhai Ambani was shaping the future of uh, the, the Ambani Group or what he had done. So I think some of these figures made a lot of uh, you know, you kind of made you take a step back and think that you know if 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 that's the scale of what people can do with the twenty four hours of their time. And if I have a vision, then why not? Like, you know, I, I think I at least have the determination, but let me figure it out. So I, and I think those are the days. And 
that along with you know my own personal thing that looked i i have to create an impact i have to create something big um but i wouldn't say there was any one major person which was completely life transforming as far as an impact is concerned which forced me to jump in that direction but it was more about you know getting more exposure seeing more things around me and 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 probably just being a person who is more i would say internally driven uh in terms of who i want to be and what i want to do and i think a combination of these is what just made me take that plunge okay so did you get more clarity in that uh, one year at isd in terms of what oh, you did oh oh absolutely i mean i absolutely got clarity because i started my journey as an entrepreneur while i was a student in business school um i i, I oh, think wow. okay. yeah so I, i think that for me um uh, was uh, an, i think another seminal year in my life uh, um and and particularly because of a couple of reasons um one is that um again i was in isb uh, uh doing my mba at the minna school of business in hyderabad uh, in the year 2008 and that is the year the financial crisis happened the entire lehman brothers the, the entire market market collapse happened um so uh well you know uh, so and we were all in business school and i had started then interacting with a lot of people who came from different walks of life chartered accountants engineers doctors uh people from uh, you know other commercial domains and today i think some of my closest friends are the people that i spent time with in business school uh but that definitely opened up my eyes it just gave me so many different dimensions and mental models to um to look at things um and on how to really frame a problem how do i evaluate what choices lie ahead of me i think all of this was heavily influenced by mostly my friends i would say so the biggest influence for me at business school was uh, was my friends the peer group the peer group and uh, you know i'm 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 so thankful um i'm so thankful for the peer group that i had access to and I, that actually gave me some of my closest friends uh who i can today you know who are like family to me so i, I think that was my biggest yeah, that's a i think about online learning you you lose out on the peer group yeah absolutely and i think uh, obviously the joke is that uh, you know my friends and family tell me that you know i should never ever go back to uh, any more education because the two years during which i graduated <laughs> there was an uh, the, the markets crashed both the years 2001 and 2008 <laughs> so i've been forbidden to go back uh, for any higher further higher education not that i'm uh, yearning to but yeah um but yeah that happened and uh, honestly the time at b school uh, helped me forge some ideas uh, around how should i look at my how should i look at my life in the next few years should i take the plunge of becoming an entrepreneur and uh, and what not so i think i think yeah so i think that year and the influence of peer group and friends is what really changed my life in a big way what uh, what was the business you started like while on campus and you know uh, tell me about that like like that launch journey from idea coming to your mind to actually taking it off sure <laughs> i mean now that i look back and if i narrate it to you it's so funny in my head um because uh, <laughs> I, it was all driven by passion uh and uh, you know the unconditional support of my friends um not so much driven by how i operate today uh you know uh, having gone through the journey and but but yeah i think back then um 
so i started my first venture which was uh, mostly focused on uh, uh, providing marketing and branding services to other institutions uh, marketing was my major in the mba um i did not pay any attention to uh, you know courses and streams like finance um and, and, and there's another inside joke and i'll probably tell you later uh, but um, but yeah i think a lot of my time spent in marketing and i started my you, you can tell me now so this is not a suspense huh? i mean <laughs> yeah I, i think when i look back uh, you know i i compare with what i did in my in my education and in my life and it's actually 180 degrees opposite right so in my undergraduate i i i absolutely detested electronics and hardware and i loved computer science and i spent my job my career at ti completely doing electronics and hardware uh which was exact opposite of what i liked and in my mba i absolutely slept through most of my finance classes uh and uh, today i am running freeo which is in the world of finance and fintech and i'm loving it uh, and I, and i've realized that you know i'm just thinking like why did i not do this earlier i, I love this uh, business so i think that's the joke i mean everybody is like you know uh, we we exactly know that if you if you you know if you like something in your studies and academics you're definitely not going to do it for the rest of your life uh so so it's, i think somehow it's just just worked out like that for me um but uh, yeah so that was my first venture in terms of providing marketing and branding services to corporates uh, so for example isb used to have its annual uh, alumni meet so i decided to uh, you know Uh, become the entire branding partner for all their branding and merchandise so, activities that was like your first client like like isb was your first client yes like- yes they were i had to like I, but i but i had to actually bid for the project because it was not easy just because i was a student they were not willing to just give it away um so i had to uh, kind of outbid uh, some other people and kind of get my uh, foot through the door uh but obviously they were very encouraging isb as a school uh, and uh, that was my first uh, client and then from there on uh, i think i grew my client base to other institutions and and corporates and companies there were like you know companies like cisco johnson and johnson uh and uh, and what was the service offering like was it like digital marketing or no so the service offering was that you know these institutions they were looking at uh, creating uh, you know a whole, whole uh, full fledged branding program for uh, future joinees or employees and creating a complete branding theme in terms of how should they make sure that their brand and their culture translates into products or merchandise that their employees that their partners that their clients would consume for example uh, things like you know things like a branding message around some event um things like products like merchandising like it could be branded uh you know souvenirs it could be t-shirts it could be any any major marketing collateral or just the strategy around how should they uh, you know translate their culture and thinking into a branding strategy for their employees for their for their partners on the ground and then eventually make sure that it gets translated into some actual product which is either worn by people or used by people on a day to day basis so uh, so you know in short I mean, if there was a scope for some new design of souvenirs and t-shirts and other products to be created i would be advising them on how to go about it and then i expanded my offering from not just providing the services but i said i will also actually get the product for you and uh, hmm. then i tied right. up tied Makes up sense. yeah so i i tied up with manufacturer i said why not just increase my value chain 
penetration over there. So I, I did that and I tied up with manufacturers at the back end. These are wholesale manufacturers on different types of merchandise. And I would source the product. I would create the whole strategy, source the product and provide the end finished product. And I would really make my margins, uh, you know, on the value that I was providing. So that was my initial journey. So obviously in the first two to three months itself, I started generating cash flows uh, because it was a services business and I had very, very minimal uh, capital requirement from my side. So I started making money very quickly. Um, so and I realized that, you know, the amount of money that I was making when I was working at Texas Instruments, I had already started making that kind of money in about five to six months of becoming an entrepreneur for myself. So, so immediately I thought that, look, you know, this is okay from a money standpoint, but as far as the, um, but as far as the problem that I'm solving on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm not sure if I'm going to love solving the same problem, uh, you know, two years down the line, three years down the line. So uh, after having done this for about a couple of years and having made whatever money I could make, I then uh, moved on to, uh, uh, to doing something else, which was, Again, like a kind of a lateral transition. And, you know, all of these companies, when I used to, my clients, they used to keep asking me that, you know, while you've done this branding and merchandising and marketing strategy for things, but we also need to engage our employees. Uh, and then there are training programs, a whole bunch of activities. So do you know somebody who can help us engage our employees and offer training programs for a whole bunch of things? Um, and that is what allowed me to transition and realize that that was probably a much larger problem, uh, which was all around trainings and skill development and skill assessments. And that's what allowed me to, uh, you know, take all the cash that I'd made over there and morph myself into a, into a skills assessment and skill development company. And that was my second major switch. So this was something like metal, like a online uh, thing, or yeah, uh, yeah, it was like uh, like metal in some ways. And, and uh, incidentally, you, you mentioned metal. Ketan, uh, the founder of metal, was my classmate at IIT. Oh uh, wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. D different streams. Ketan was in metallurgical. I was in computer science, but uh, but obviously, you know, uh, friends from back uh, IIT days. Um, but uh, they were they were doing something which was more technologically savvy at that point in time, and my initial focus started on with a more human driven uh, human driven initially and then uh, i think that evolved and pivoted into a uh, pivoted into a uh, i would say a larger platform and a product play eventually but yeah my first step there was a slightly more services oriented model and I, I think it was also driven by my desire to always keep making money so i i kind of had made a promise to myself that uh, as much as possible, I will always try to be an entrepreneur who does not lose money. Um, and, and I think till date, I, I can see that like at least I've not lost money. Um, but uh, but my but my start starting point in services back then was driven by that focus that I, I should be making money. And then eventually it, it kind of evolved into a much larger technology-driven platform play. I got a co-founder on board. Uh, as I changed my whole idea and thought process, we worked together to create something big. And and, and, and that's what led me to the next leg of my journey. Hmm. And what is that? So over here, just one, like, what were the kind of engagements you were getting? Like, say, a company wants to train the front level staff or 
Yeah, so this is like, you know, the, so mostly it was about uh, training and uh, skill development for uh, pro most of the professional staff, which is like ma mid-manager and managerial level staff. So this would be uh, about different areas of professional development. Initially, it started out by a lot of, by a huge demand for areas of training and assessment around organizational behavior, organizational development. Um, I would say ne negotiation, uh, conflict management. Those are the areas that I used to get a lot of queries for, and uh, that then uh, that then kept growing, and I kept adding areas uh, to it, and I, I expanded the repertoire of services that were being offered. I kind of built a network of other professional individuals who would, who could actually deliver deliver the same uh, outcome under my brand and create like a revenue revenue sharing model. Because I had to figure out how to scale this because you know I have only so many hours in the day, so even if I uh, learned how to deliver it uh, from by myself. That wouldn't be the smartest thing to do as an entrepreneur. So, uh, so then I built a network of uh, people who could actually create high quality content and deliver. And I also started doing a lot of it myself uh, because I really enjoyed it. And then, uh, and that then evolved into uh, my next product play, which was which we called Skillways. We have now come to the end of part one of our conversation with Kunal Varma, co-founder of Freo. In part two of this conversation, we find out how Freo plans to make a strong mark of its own within the neo-banking category and what the future looks like for them. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books and drama. Visit thepodium.in that is T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-N dot I-N for a complete list of all our shows. This episode of Founder Thesis Podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com.